SAFM, leading the conversation. Nothing conventional on the viewpoint. On SAFM. With the country's economic stability hanging in the balance due to COVID-19 pandemic, BLSA, that's Business Leadership South Africa, and Business Against Crime South Africa, to put the spotlight on the escalated damage that illicit trade is causing the economy. It will also discuss solutions and opportunities of collaboration to mitigate the threat of illicit trade at the upcoming webinar. Our next guest then argues that the bans on the sale of alcohol and tobacco products previously gave the illicit trade an opportune environment in which to thrive. Most of us who smoke probably know this. All of us who drink know this. Much, of course, to the detriment of livelihoods, law and order and related enforcement, and most importantly, tax revenue connection. Fouché adds, it is now more prudent than ever that solutions, actions and collaborative opportunities to curb illicit trade are tabled to mitigate this rampant form of crime, which for many is missed because it is not necessarily seen as crime. Well, Fouché is on the line. Thank you, sir, for your time. Welcome to SAFM. Yeah, thanks a lot. I understand you struggled to get out of me. Sorry about that. Um, I was actually waiting for the call and he <laughs> didn't come through. We've got um, you. That's all that matters. Don't worry, yeah, for that's, sure. that's all that matters. Yeah. So, yes, um, um, it, well, it was very interesting today to you know to listen to the people about the illicit trade and, and, and the specific problems that um, you know we experienced. We just think about how big this problem really is. I mean, estimates for all illicit trade in a normal year is anything between 89 billion and 152 billion rands per annum. Now, if you if you just take tobacco, and you've mentioned uh, you know tobacco or cigarettes, in worldwide uh, illicit trade for you know in, in cigarettes is about 10 percent. In South Africa, in normal times, it's 33 percent, uh, and of course during the lockdown it was 100 percent, and it really opened up illegal businesses that we're really going to struggle to close down again uh, because they are illegal. Now, the estimates, you know, during the first lockdown um, with, with, on cigarettes were about 35 million per day that uh, Fiscus lost. You know, in total, just was for, for um, tobacco products, was about 5 billion so far losses um, in tobacco industry and 6.4 billion in the alcohol industry. So yes, it is it is massive and it is money that we need to rebuild the country after you know COVID. Um, we sit with a massive um, budget um, deficit already for this year. Um, you know, the business insider um, in December mentioned something like almost forty um, four hundred forty billion rand, um, which is seventy seven percent higher than the same time last year. So yeah, illicit trade is a big problem in South Africa. Does this conversation at all contemplate, or did the conversation contemplate the illicit financial flows, the movements of money and assets across the border, which of course are illegal in source, transfer or use? Because this is equally a challenge, not just the illicit trade, but the losses of resources, be it in kind or financially, that are a loss both to the country and the continent. Does this conversation contemplate that? Yeah, we haven't really discussed it today, but it is a problem. Um, I mean, it is that, um, and, and basically, you know, any product, anything um, um, that's even going across the border, but, but you know, a lot of these problems, um, for example, with illicit trade is in fact um, 
um, the products never leave the country. They actually manufactured here. I mean, uh, they get tax rebates, and uh, they never leave the country itself. Um, so that is a big problem that we focus on today as well. And that's probably more in the wake of the bans because this is what some companies we had a guest telling us that some companies for the purposes of open close quote export they would do all of that but the product itself never leaves this requires a proper syndicate not just at the source at the manufacturing base but it would need some government institutions if not at least employees to be able to look the other way or to assist in the necessary paperwork to create the impression that there has been this trade, whereas it hasn't. Yeah, well, I think um, people from all walks of life and you know, is involved in this. It is without a doubt organised crime, and um, as in serious organised crime. I mean, we know of instances where they were hitmen taking out people because of um, people getting in their way. So this is very, very serious organised crime. And we know of South officials that have been um, arrested, and the same with police as well over the years. So yes, it's, it's, um, I think it's, it's, it's very widespread. And I think you've touched on when we started off where some of us don't see this anymore as a crime. Um, I mean, the, the consumer of a cigarette, um, you know, it's not that serious. But I mean, the guy that's actually, or, or the cynic that is actually, actually um, making those products available, I mean, that is, that is serious organized crime. And, and when we talk about serious organized crime, I think it ought to be seen as these are not just guys who wake up today and suddenly decide this. These are sophisticated people as a synonym for the serious crime. These are sophisticated people who operate out of proper establishments, so to speak. And because they have worked out the system, open, close quote, worked out the system, they are in a position to be as sophisticated, use the necessary resources and technology so that on the surface of things, it looks all legit. But as you would have discussed, you know that it's anything but that. Yes, it is sophisticated people that's doing it. Um, you know, and, and, and it's not always high-tech solutions that they have to get to, 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 you know, to keep the products, for example, in South Africa to get illegally imports in. They just know the system. Um, I think that's that sort of, um, you can call it that the scary part of it. Somewhere they've been educated or, or got educated themselves to know exactly what to do, you know, how to get um, a product illegally in South Africa or round tripping, that's what we're talking about. I mean, we've seen this in motor vehicles for many years, where there's second-hand vehicles, um, you know, imported um, for consumption in Africa, which is perfectly legal, uh, but that vehicle never leaves the country. Uh, so, yes, these guys are sophisticated, and they've worked out the, the process how to, to make it perceived legal. Big business, of course, in the cigarette industry, for instance, your Philip Morris, as well as your BAT, that's British American Tobacco. They would have an interest in being social partners to you, if not institutional partners. The relationship between yourselves as BLSA and BAXA, that's the Business Against Crime South Africa. Have you had such collaborations and interest and indeed support? Yeah, we do have um, um, you know, collaborations um, all the time with them. Um, and not only them, you know, Consumer Goods Council, uh, Petroleum Security um, Initiative, um, SABRIC, which is not really an illegal um, and lesser trade part of it, but all of them, and the Mining Council. So we work closely with all of them um, to see how we can tackle this. Yes, we do. 
We're in conversation with Mr. Fushai Berger, who's the National Project Manager at Business Leadership South Africa. We are taking your calls on Johannesburg 714-2006. The impact of illicit trade on the South African community, South African economy rather, particular focus of course on the sale of alcohol and tobacco products, this being especially pronounced in the wake of the bans of the last 10 months that are ad hoc, both as they pertain to tobacco and alcohol. Of course, what is a truth to all of this? The more alcohol and cigarette products are available over the counter outside these bans, the less there is a demand, if you like, for this illicit economy. Can we talk about now the obligations that the government has in relation to fighting COVID-19 and what are some of the intricacies that you have since developed or have known or discovered in the last 10 months? Because in, in previous times, there was never a discussion about a ban on the sale of alcohol or cigarettes because there was no COVID. Yeah, look, we, we, we are the, of the opinion that government should speak to us more often. Um, you know, the ban on... Um, alcohol and cigarettes were just, you know, I think we, we, we've all heard it at the same time. And, um, I mean, it's a big shock to business. Um, you must prepare yourself for something like that or discuss at least ways that you can do it better with government. So, yeah, we, you know, we, we, we struggle to support something that is just done, um, slapped on us. Um, I think we need to discuss things more. So I don't think that was handled very well. Um, you know, we do see the... Uh, you know some of the um, you know the reasons for perhaps alcohol ban over weekends or New Year or whatever, but there were definitely better ways of doing that. Um, so yeah, we're not not happy with that. Definitely not. What are some of the things that you would have said to government had government brought you to the table for the purposes of expressing your thoughts in relation to finding, if at all possible, the critical balance between the obligations of everybody and the interests of the nation as it pertains to their health. What were you not consulted on that if government knew things might have been better? Yeah, as I said, we were not consulted at all. Um, assuming, you know, as soon as something like that happens, we will get the specialist in, uh, you know, from the, from the alcohol tobacco industry and to assist us with, with, with um, drafting guidelines. Um, it might be a better um, public awareness campaign, um, for example, when it's came to um, tobacco sales or cigarette sales where you can say you know like <laughs> the minister said that you can carry this you know this, this virus can be spread through um, cigarettes you know it's sort of a, a much better um, media campaign um, that we could have done you know I'll call it in itself as well you know I'm sure you know the alcohol industry would have gone out um, and you know big on on, on educating the public you know was the, the minister state. wrong in saying that that azor has an oppo- has the effect of of spreading the virus yeah well i i, I wouldn't um, you know like to speculate on that um but i mean it, it uh, we know how it spread um and, you know, the virus so yeah i think there's a possibility but um, i don't think it is that big no, I mean, you raised the issue, and I want to confirm if whether or not you are objecting to what she said or how she said it. No, I, I wouldn't say I'm objecting, um, you know, against what she said. Um, um, I think we just we, we just had to discuss it better and to understand it better before we could have made a decision like that. But, but I mean, she said with, it. Agree, agree with a decision like that. No, the reason I want to probe this issue is because 
the minister took a lot of flack for it, rightly or wrongly. There was a lot of social media hype around that. Even a song came out. But the minister is responding to a public health concern. This is somebody who is a medical practitioner by training, who has previously been a minister of health. And as at the time, the accounts were this thing spreads through the mouth, saliva and many things that can come into contact. So she said what she said. You have raised this and you said that this is a question of advocacy and communication. Now, I'm asking, what are you objecting to? And if it is what she said, then you say so. If it is how she said, then you say so. I, I need a clear answer on that. Yeah, I'll constantly give you a clear answer on that. I mean, um, um, she's, a, she's a medical doctor. So I'm, I'm sure she will, um, um, you know, she, she knows a, um, a trait. And... Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was, uh, I think it's just the fact that we're not really consulted about it, you know, to see how we can do it better. I, I can't really tell you, you know, is it going to spread or not. Um, and it was just, uh, I think I've, I just brought it up because it was in social media so actively, and this is typically South Africans and even Africans, you know, to, to make a song about it and to joke about it. But it's not something to joke about. I think that's the most important thing. I mean, people are dying. And we need to get the real facts um, um, and um, do whatever we need to, to, you know, to fight it. Um, but we need the information at least before a decision like that is made. We'll continue the conversation with Mr. Fischer Berger after the break. The minister did say, and there has been nobody with any scientific basis to dispute, the fact that a cigarette from my mouth, and I have coronavirus, will give you coronavirus if you smoke that same cigarette. I don't think that needed extensive research, nor did I think it needed consultation. If you disagree with me, I'd be more than happy to be corrected. After the break, we can take your calls on Johannesburg 714-2006. We're speaking to Mr. Fushay Burgers, National Project Manager at Business Leadership South Africa. The impact of illicit trade on the South African economy, focusing on the bans as they pertained to alcohol and tobacco products after the break. The impact of illicit trade on the South African economy. We have one voice note for the attention of Mr. Fushay Berger. We probably could take one more phone call, but if there isn't any, I'd be more than happy to engage him. Evening to you, Songhezo, and your guests. Look, illicit cigarettes and normal cigarettes, the non-illicit cigarettes, it's just about the same thing. The cigarette industry in itself is not a healthy industry. It's harmful to the health of the citizens. Let's first understand that, that it is harmful to the health of the citizens, irrespective of how many warnings they have on the pack. It is harmful. So in overall, cigarettes are harmful. So is alcohol. But the industries rake up billions annually, but do not do not see to the health of the citizens at all. Thank you from Chapter 2. Chapter 2 raising a point, but it is, a, is, is it for government, uh, Fushai, I'm coming back to you, is it for government to tell me or to make decisions for me that I can make for myself as it pertains to my health? As long as I am empowered to make the informed decision, surely that's not the province of government to tell me cigarettes are bad for you or alcohol is bad for you, therefore you will not have. Because, I mean... It's my decision, frankly. Yeah, I think there's a lot of regulations and warnings and so on, so that you can make an informed decision. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it is um, 
everybody must make his own decision. I'm not, I'm not a smoker or a drinker because I've made that decision. But um, um, there's, there's enough information available for everybody to make the you know to make a decision. I mean, vehicles also kills people, and we can't ban vehicles. And uh, you know, just because of uh, the fact that they're killing people. Uh, so it's about informed decisions. I think the, the, the regulations are in place. I mean, the, um, um, you know, the, the warnings on the packages, um, everything, and, and not everybody listens to it or, or interested in listening to it. But there's enough information, definitely, for everybody to make a decision. One more question in relation to the question of alcohol, and I'm going to try and sort of work with Chapter 2. We know that South Africa has a serious challenges as it pertains to its alcohol consumption. And the facts and figures are there for everybody to see. We know what happens when there's a ban. We know exactly what happens when a ban is lifted. For the first time in, what, 100 years, Chris Anibaraguanath reported no casualty on New Year's Day because at the time there was an alcohol ban. Previous Minister of Health, Dr. Aaron Motswaledi, had wanted to ban advertising of liquor much the same way there is a ban on tobacco products. Would that ever be a consideration that is worthy of a national conversation such that it might follow a ban altogether on alcohol products? Well, I, I think um, you know, that can't happen. Uh, I'm talking about a ban on all alcohol products on a national level. I mean, if you look at the history of what happened in the USA, when, um, when that happened, it was just, uh, I mean, the mafias and all of those were really um, big at that stage. So, no, um, it just can't happen. There's too many people depending on jobs, um, you know, in the alcohol industry, um, on wine farms, uh, breweries, and so on. So we will definitely object against that. But yes, I mean it, it is true. I mean, um, of Chris Barag, um, Chris Anibarg, one of the didn't have any incidents. I think that's good, and let's learn from that, you know, and work around that. Uh, but don't kill jobs, and ultimately, I mean, poverty kills people. Um, so there's a balance um, that we must always try to reach. Very well. Fushai, thank you so much for your time, sir. The impact of little trade on the South African economy, we are slightly wiser on both alcohol and tobacco. After the break, we continue the conversation, but only with Dr. Mandla Lamba, founder and executive chairperson of Agility Private Limited.